We're back. We're back. <laughs> no, we're back. Uh, this is uh, Vegan Hacks. I'm Jason Cartalian with Mike Keller, and we have a special guest, Neha Nalam, also known as A Lot of Spice, is a social media influencer bringing beautifully realized South Asian flavors from her childhood and beyond. Welcome, Neha. Thank Yay. you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So the first words I ever heard Neha say were? Suck it. <laughs> Those were fighting words. <laughs> Actually, I said just egg can suck it. There we go. Let me clarify. And to me, that's like just music to my ears. <laughs> they, as they say, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, we, we all have like lots of different reasons to have issues with this company. Um, wh why don't you explain? Uh, I, you know, I was thinking about this whole post. She, she did this like post that kind of got a lot of attention about Just Egg. And uh, why don't you maybe discuss how you got to this, how you approached this, like what was your feeling before you did the post and then, and then what, what the post was and then, and then the aftermath and, and the experience you had. I started noticing a trend in kind of like a lot of vegan food products where they had a lot of origin from kind of Asian cultures and just egg and similarly pegs like we've talked about. It's literally an old Indian recipe and you know mung beans are common to Asian cultures as a whole and I started digging into like the ingredient list and I just I laughed out loud when I read the ingredients because I was like this is the stuff that I grew up eating and now it's being bottled and packaged and marketed as if it's this huge uh, innovation or product that's going to change lives and and don't get me wrong it might it might have um and what i also noticed is is that these brands they just do very minimal kind of hey this is from if you go to just eggs website it's very minimal what they say they say that it is inspired from asian cultures but they don't go much deeper than that so it's like in a sense they've maybe checked their box to say that they've done their due diligence in a sense to talk about who inspired it. But yeah. And then I started digging into the actual ingredient list. I don't want to maybe go down that path, but it just didn't make me very happy. And so I realized that people were getting ripped off. I realized that you could make this at home and I wanted to share my knowledge. So that's where all of this came from. <laughs> so you went ahead and you made this post Starting yes. with just egg can suck it, <laughs> etc. And then, and then you kind of had this like I remember it was a it was a nice quick, you know quick kind of showing demonstrating the recipe as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what was the fallout? Now you said that it was a difference. So so we kind of made parallel videos. Uh, I compared homemade just egg with the 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 actual just egg or the just egg in the, in the package i think the the thing that was the most provocative thing that i said was that, that just egg was made by an evil corporation you know whether or not they're evil or not i mean i made that kind of crazy grand statement and that was sort of i think that that was something that got a lot of attention 
Um, but but again, it was kind of this comparison between the two. And I didn't actually even bring up uh, the the uh, cultural appropriation of the product. Now you say you said that there was you felt like there was different reactions from from my post to your post, and and, and what were those? So partially, I I do feel that you know I maybe brought in culture. And it made people very angry that, you know, I was bringing in the whole cultural appropriation conversation. I noticed that it, it kind of rubs people the wrong way because there's this notion that nobody owns food. And I, I by no means own Indian dishes. Like that's literally why I post recipes so that people have easier access to Indian food and they understand that it's not just chicken tikka masala, right? It's like, an array of recipes. In addition to that, maybe my language was a little flagrant for them, which is really ironic. And and then I think the other thing was that uh, some people felt that I was knocking a product that was readily available, especially for people who, you know, prefer readily made products. They got very angry with me that, um, you know, maybe, for example, you know, if some if someone has a disability, for example, they felt that I was being very ableist. And that was not my intention at all. I was just coming from a place truly that I wanted people to save their money and realize that they were being ripped off by a company who is charging a crazy amount for something that you can make at home for like pennies on the dollar. Um so with all of that together, I think a lot of people got very offended and that wasn't my intention. My intention was to help people. Um, and I wasn't trying to gatekeep a recipe. I literally gave everyone a recipe. So I think what I learned from that situation is that I need to be very careful with my messaging. I think at the time when I recorded, I was in a rush to get it done. And I was also very angry at Just Egg. So that's what came out of that. <laughs> so- but then again, you know, sometimes that uh, provocative language, whether it makes some people angry or not, it gets attention to the other, you know, your underlying yeah. message. So it, it might it might have served you well in the long run if you, yeah. if you can take a little heat. But I have a question for both of you, really. What's if you, assuming you had control over the situation, what's your 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 what outcome would you like? Do you, I mean, do you want Just Egg not to exist? Do you want them to change their prices? Do you want them to give more credence to the like um, underlying recipe that they're borrowing from? Like, what, 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 what's the best case scenario? I don't know, Jason. Do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I don't have an answer for that. I just, I, I, I mean, I, I like breaking things down. I mean, I, I would prefer people to make their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it to be as, as, um, easy and as affordable as possible. I mean, there, okay, I would like Just Egg to not use a plastic container. Yeah, okay. Um, I think that w- I would like them to uh, maybe be a little more uh, um, upfront about how they they came up with the um, the product and not make it seem like it's some kind of grand innovation. I think <laughs> then they can't charge you, what, $8 a bottle? <laughs> well, it, I mean, the price has gone down on just it egg. Has. I mean, I mean, as a vegan, though, there's always this sort of overriding concern where, uh, you know, 
I, I've always used this caveat. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, um, I mean, if you're vegan or if you, you're, you're, you're interested in being vegan or, you know, you, you don't want to eat factory farm stuff, um, Just Egg is a better product than factory farmed eggs. I don't know if it's better than backyard eggs, but uh, but I'm just saying. So that that that's just that's just my 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 thing. I mean, I will always uh, try to you know just go after the truth. That's just my my just the way I am. I I think for me the frustrating part is the barrier to entry. So for people who do have reasons to be vegan, whether they're medical or or just something, I feel like there is a huge barrier to entry. First off it's expensive. Anything that's marketed as vegan tends to be at a higher price point. The second thing is that a lot of the food items that are vegan do have a cultural origination, meaning these are recipes you can make at home, but people are not aware of that. And to me, that's a huge deal. Um, Cauliflower, for example, has become a huge, uh, you know, (laughs) in everyone's diets and so much of cauliflower. And I'm not saying that, you know, Americans don't use cauliflower, but it is very prevalent in Indian cooking, in Asian cooking, that type of thing, you know, Um, uh, like tofu, for example, is another one. It's a huge uh, ingredient that's used all over Asia. And now the price of tofu in general has gone up and that's okay. That's part of capitalism. I understand that, but there is a barrier to entry to certain vegan food items. And I, I, I just don't think that's okay. Now we kind of talked about just eggs pricing has gone down, but also their ingredient list has gotten worse. Meaning they're using cheaper ingredients or more, you know, their ingredients has changed. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, they had that whole bad batch incident and they learned from it and put a bunch of preservatives in there. Well, and also they're making the, the product in a factory that also processes eggs. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've kind of scaled up with a, they, they bought a, a factory. I don't know. It was like in Minnesota or something, a very much larger factory facility so they could scale up. You, you know, you know, it's kind of a situation where I see a lot of vegan creators holding that bottle of just egg. And I'm like in their hand, and it's just it to me. It just like I don't know. It's a stab in the eye. <laughs> did they make? Did they get paid? Are those like sponsored? Like no, it's to, just no, like they, it's like a trendy thing. Like, look, I got this magical material. That's uh, you know that's why I I mean I mean I even like you know I know how like fractured uh, the viewership is on on these social media platforms. Every couple of weeks, I'll keep on putting up the same Just Egg recipe. I'll just keep putting it up. I don't care. More people will see it. Maybe it'll only get a few thousand views sometimes. Maybe it'll get another 10,000 views. I'll just keep on putting that, that, that you recipe You know, up. Jason, I think that goes back to the whole thing where people don't have that knowledge. Mm. So when it's in their face of like, hey, this is a great vegan product, they don't know anything else because they don't have that cultural background, for example, to understand that, hey you can do this differently. And that was the intention behind my video. I, I work in strategy. I understand like companies, literally their whole point in life is to make money. And so I can't knock them for being smart enough to package mung beans and sell it to the masses as vegan eggs. However, they're the other piece that I want them to kind of acknowledge is that it's a very prevalent Asian ingredient 
there's nothing wrong with giving more credit and saying like, hey, this is how, like, how did they find this recipe? There is no way they came up with this on their own. And I, you know, they had to have had it somewhere. They realized that the consistency was very similar to maybe eggs. And they went from that point. So like repurposing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Even though it's not exactly repurposing. Let's push aside the just egg controversy. It's away. And and let's talk about your background and and how you uh, maybe grew up, your relationship to food and how you became this uh, social media influencer on on food, (laughs) on the food space. And what 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 happened? How did you how did you do this? Uh, so I, I actually was born in India and I came to the States when I was about three and a half years old. Um, I remember I was in school, I think it was like kindergarten or like first grade. And I took this test and I could hardly speak English because we primarily spoke, uh, Telugu at home. It's a South Indian language. And, um, so I really had to like, my parents had to like, you know, really change the way I grew up a little bit. But the one thing my mom did not change was the food that I ate. And so my mom would uh, make all sorts of Indian dishes and I'd take it to school. And I went through the whole phase of being bullied and, you know, people would make fun of the food that I was eating. And so that was, you know, something that you had to like kind of grow up with uh, at the time. Um, I think now, there's a lot more tolerance. So that's, that's awesome. More diversity in schools now. Where was this? In the United States. No, but what, like what state? Where it was like a primarily. Ohio. Oh, okay. Ohio. And then like Florida, I lived all over the U S and then it got to a point where I would just like throw out my lunches and I'm very ashamed of that. I feel so bad that I did stuff like that, but it was also like self-preservation. I didn't, I wanted to make friends and I I didn't want to be like, shamed into for the food that I was eating and then as I got older I just really didn't identify as Indian for example I was like I felt like I couldn't be I was a little embarrassed to be and then I moved to Texas uh I was I think like 16 at the time and I it was just like a melting pot of culture in Texas which you would not expect I realized but like Plano Texas is a different place altogether. (laughs) And I started to realize that I could be Indian and not be ashamed of it, which was really cool and great for me. Growing up, my mom would teach me how to cook. That was like one of the biggest things. Since I was like 13, I started rolling rotis and hanging out in the kitchen with my mom. I now realize that she probably was getting free labor out of me, but now, (laughs) Um, but I'm really glad that she taught me everything that I know. And so as I got older, I realized that I wanted to share my story with people. And I used to post things to Instagram. I kind of started that in 2018. And then I really got more into it around the last two years. And so creating a lot of videos and sharing my story and helping others relate to me because we all have very similar experiences, but we just don't talk about it as much. What are the things that you've learned, uh, especially, let's say, like posting on TikTok? I've learned to make better videos and they get better with each new video. (laughs) Uh, No, what I've learned is that, like like I mentioned, um, a lot of us have a similar experience. Just a lot of us are very scared to speak up about it. And I think that's been the brilliant thing about TikTok is that people 
technically don't have a filter on TikTok. They really share their feelings. I get comments where people are just like, you know, I was really, really sad and your video just made me feel some type of way. Or like I had shared a video about dosa and I I talked about my story about how I couldn't eat the food that I wanted to. And the comments were just filled with people just relating back to me. And there was kids in high school who were like, I'm going through this and your video just made me feel so much better about myself. And I'm not, I'm going to eat what I want to eat. So I think what I've learned is that I have a voice and that my voice can be shared or have a positive impact on a lot of people. But I also need to be careful with the way I message. (laughs) But yeah, I, I realized that the power of influence is very important and you have to be very careful with the way you utilize that tool. That's what I've learned so far. What do you want to do next? Like, let's say, you know, you're building a platform, you know, on, on, on Instagram and tick and TikTok. What, what's your next step? And, and, and uh, uh, do you feel like you're uh, moving towards, um, you know, another form of communication, uh, longer form video. In the short term, I just need to be more consistent with how frequent I'm able to post. I think food content takes a lot of time sometimes, um, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the next thing that I would like to do is maybe more long form, like you mentioned, like posting on YouTube, because again, it's a whole different audience. Um I think there's so many different places to post now, like that part has been a little overwhelming. So trying to stay organized in that sense, but I would love for my story to go a little further and and share it with more people. Um, So I think right now I'm in the building phase. Um, I think compared to a lot of people, I still have a smaller platform. And so it's whether it's posting my recipes on a blog or something like that, that I'm kind of all over the place, as you can tell. So I need to do some self-reflection and and just think about what is the direction that I do want to take. But yeah, speak, speak <laughs> kind of a it. non-answer. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I mean, I think we're all trying to figure things out, especially now, right now, because the terrain is so uh, torturous. The, the other, the other thing I wanted to talk about because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, fi- I'm finally we have someone, an expert, uh, in, <laughs> in regards to this, is okay. So, so I was making this um vegan egg it was a a dupe of pegs really based on sheila how did i pronounce it i'm working on the pronunciation you're fine (laughs) and it's this uh um this beautiful dish with black salt and uh the main ingredient is uh chickpea flour yeah and so I went to Indian Sweet and Spices and uh, over over here in uh, Los Feliz. I remember going to an Indian market and being overwhelmed. So I wanted to get, let's say, Indian Market 101 from you. <laughs> like sure. being being an overwhelmed vegan, like what are the, the few like maybe pantry items or things that we need to get to make, you know, fun and beautiful things? I would tell you that turmeric is definitely up there um so my husband he does not like whole spices at all so i everything that i cook at home is like powdered spices so if you were to have a spice dabba or like a spice box what i would tell you to put in there is chili powder uh coriander powder cumin powder 
and uh, garam masala and turmeric. And with those ingredients, you can go a really long way. The other thing that I always have prepped in my kitchen is a ginger and garlic paste. I actually have a video posted on my TikTok, but it's like one of my favorite hacks because literally every Indian dish, a lot of them, um, have ginger and garlic paste in it. Anything with like a gravy or like a quick chicken fry, you're going to use ginger and garlic paste. <laughs> so so is this paste just basically pure garlic or is there an addition you add things to this paste? It's just ginger and garlic. Ginger garlic um, together or or these are separate? Ginger things? and garlic together. Oh, wow. And then like, like pulverized? Yeah, like in a food processor. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I actually add oil and turmeric to it. And it lasts up to like six weeks in my kitchen, uh, which is a long time. This is and refrigerated. It's refrigerated. So what I do is take a food processor, add equal part ginger, equal part garlic, make sure that it's washed, peeled, all of the above, make sure it's dry when you go to process it. But then I add about a teaspoon of turmeric, probably like a tablespoon to two tablespoons of oil, just depending on your quantity. And I grind it all together. And I, I add the oil as I grind. So it's almost like a pesto kind of sometimes is the way that I think about it. I store it in a mason jar and I literally use it for every single recipe. So let's say like a simple recipe sure. that, that I could make with this particular paste that would that would be sort of the paste would be the star. What would that be? What would be a great recipe for that? China masala. Mm -hmm. So like chickpea masala. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a I, I think vegans love chickpeas right now and it's all the rage for sure. And We're driving yeah. the chickpea price way up for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The chickpea train. <laughs> I would love to know how to make that because it's like such a you know, like everyone who 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 goes to a Thai Thai restaurant for the first time, it's it's pad Thai. And yeah. you know, Indian restaurant for the first time, it's always chana masala. Yep. So I actually am about to it? post a chana masala video oh, great. Uh, probably later this week. So uh, I'll let you know when I post it. <laughs> okay. So you're not going to tell us now how to do <laughs> oh, it? Oh, I can definitely <laughs> tell you. Yeah, I'll, absolutely. If, you're, if you want to know what veggies to have from an Indian market, I would always tell you the green chilies, like the Thai green chilies. I use that probably in every single dish that I cook, red or yellow onions. If anybody tells you what type of onion to use, they don't know what they're talking about. You can use any sort of onion in Indian cooking, but that's my personal opinion. So if someone gets triggered by that, I'm sorry. <laughs> what about potatoes? Um, yeah, potatoes. Oh my God. One of my favorite dishes is just a simple potato fry. Just roast some potatoes and some oil, add chili powder. It's like a comfort food for me. Curry leaves is another ingredient that I absolutely love. When you add curry leaves to some hot ghee or even oil, like the aroma in your kitchen is just on another level. What's the difference between, let's say, powder and whole spices? Is there, I mean, are they different flavor profiles in your opinion? Uh, I would say so. So like a very popular Indian dish is like biryani and there are going to be certain spices that you need in there that you just can't get it from a ground uh, spice, like cloves, for example. I, I've Maybe they make ground clove powder, but I've never seen it. The thing that you need to consider when they make uh, a powder is that they roast the spice and then they ground it, right? Whereas like whole coriander is not roasted. It's just naturally occurring. 
and then you roast it in your pan. So it, I feel that like whole spices are amazing. It's uh, just, my husband doesn't like it. <laughs> why, why doesn't he like it? Uh, he doesn't like biting into it and then having to take it out of his mouth. Oh, okay. Text <laughs> texture. Yes. Yeah. Like cardamom. Oh my God. Cardamom is so delicious. Yes. You can also use cardamom powder. I, I think it's something you develop over time that understanding. I personally can't tell you, like, is there really a difference? Maybe not. Um, but like cardamom, whole cardamom, when you add it to like chai, so, so good. You're just giving me a new perspective on this. Also, I believe you wanted to talk a little bit about cultural insensitivity in the creator space. There was recently a creator, I think his name was Elliot Norris. Is that the guy with the glasses? Yes. Okay, I saw the video. Yeah. What did he say? So Elliot Norris has essentially made a whole platform off of like cultural food and he hardly ever respects the food. Sometimes he jokes around about it. He will mispronounce the food names and it's just like on purpose. He says that he, he responded to one of my videos and he's like, I'm dyslexic. And I was like, I understand, but like Google will say the word for you so that you don't have to attempt to read it unless that's wrong. That's what I do sometimes when I don't know how to pronounce something or even like attempt to be able to read it. And so so many people have responded to him. I recently saw it and I just, you know, when you have such a big platform, being socially responsible is so important because he has millions of followers or at least hundreds of thousands of followers. And so like him doing that, he kind of gives all of his followers the right to do it as well because they think it's okay. And so uh, I guess more than the cultural appropriation part, it's just like being so respectful to other cultures. Like, I don't know why that's hard. Pronouncing someone's name or a dish is just kind of bare minimum in my mind. Growing up, nobody could pronounce Neha properly and I would correct them. And yet still they can't pronounce my name sometimes, even at work. I mean, just just making the effort. I, I, we had we had this situation in the beginning where I wanted to try to make sure that I could pronounce your name correctly. And that is it's so not funny. phonetically complicated. No, it's not. But like even do you know what? At one point I used to phonetically spell it out for people. So I'd spell it N-A-Y dash H-A. Yeah. Just to make it easier. <laughs> well, well, but the, the other thing that I learned, I mean, I remember when I first started doing TikTok. Yeah. Was sometimes I did come, I was like a bull in a china shop. You know, I would say things incorrectly. I would mispronounce things. Yeah. And what would happen. And then you got jumped on. No, but what would also have, we get jumped on, but I also get engagement. Yeah. And so you get some kind of, re, even if it's negative, what do people say? You idiot! It's dokboki. But what happens is, is that you you increase engagement when you are culturally insensitive. It's a reward, and so for someone like that who craves attention, engagement, and numbers, they're going to keep on doing their thing because they get rewarded with numbers, engagement etc. So, you know, they may be apologetic, but the numbers don't lie. You know, they, if you, right. you know, and, and that particular thing where he just massacred 
uh, the you know the the Korean dish um, is 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 you know just got a lot of views and gets attention and and people and the thing is is there's no differentiation between positive and negative attention on TikTok. It's just attention. What's important to me is building community. Yeah. And and so I'm always going to try my best. <laughs> You know, even though I make mistakes all the time, I'm going to always try my best to be respectful and try to pronounce things the best I can. You know, what's interesting is I, I recently did, or it's not recent, it's been a minute, but I, I did a quick series on alu paratha or paratha. See, that's a word. But the amount of like Indian people who came for me because I mispronounced paratha, I, in the video, I guess it comes out as parada, parada or something. I also grew up in the United States. So like my pronunciation of a word is not going to be perfect. Um, however, what I've noticed is that when someone who is not Indian and mispronounces a word, they help them out a lot. But for some reason, they come for other Indian people. And I, I don't understand that. Um, so... I kind of presented two different scenarios here. One is like where someone purposely um, mispronounces something and then kind of fakes it. But like, to your point, they gain engagement from that. And then someone like me who kind of maybe mispronounced it slightly without purposely mispronouncing it, they come for me. Um, And so TikTok definitely can be brutal at times. You brought up a, I thought was very poignant how sometimes we affect people, you know, in a positive way. We teach people, we empower them to cook food, cook for their own selves and giving them knowledge. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And, and, and the ability to, to have a platform where you can inspire people, even if it's a few people, if it's, it doesn't have to be thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, it'd be better than if it's that, but, but being able to, to live within your own world, this kid that mispronounces things and is culturally inappropriate, he's going to live in his own like fractured community because that's the community and world that he's created. I think also too, as your social platform or or experience maybe settles down a little bit, your audience is sort of a reflection of yourself. And, uh, you know, there'll always be, I mean, I don't, you know, there'll always be trolls or always be people that are going to come after you. I mean, that's just the way it is. But for the most part, these people love and respect you and you love and respect them. And it's this mutual relationship that we, you both, you know, everyone, everyone grows. I think my Just Egg video hit like a million views recently. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. But what I kept telling myself was that the video has over 150,000 likes. And I think the video has more positive comments than negative. And that is what I kept telling myself. And I was like, people like this. I think I got 15,000 followers from that video which is just mind blowing. But that's what I kept remembering as I was getting certain negative comments was that I still left an impact and it was a positive one. And there are going to be people who are just going to be upset regardless, because maybe they have their own issues or they were really unhappy with what I said. Uh, Certain people, when I engaged with them, 
they actually, we had like very productive conversations and I wasn't like just disregarding their opinions. That actually helped me in the sense of like people saying like, okay, thank you for like acknowledging what I had to say. Thank you for listening to me. And some of them followed me after that. So that was also super interesting. There are others who were just not pleasant and they were definitely blocked (laughs) because I'm not going to deal with people who use bad language or are impolite to others in the comment section. I'm not about that. So in the vegan community though, some people like engage you and they sound like they're reasonable, but they just want to trap you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Mike Heller. (laughs) Yes. I just want to trap you. I'm your, I'm your troll. (laughs) (laughs) He trolled me. He trolled me on something and I, and I called him out and then I called you out for calling me out. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what you call a true friendship. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I trollship. I I, I troll. (laughs) But, but the thing is, is, I have the platform to publicly humiliate him. So that's, that's the-, <laughs> the audience was still on my side. That, he must, you, that your your response wasn't wasn't correct. You still must tread lightly, Mike Keller. That's <laughs> yeah, true. I, I told you, Jason, one of my favorite videos that you do is with that your friend who like completely does not like vegan food. And he's just like, oh, he's funny. It's OK. <laughs> but his reactions are hilarious. I love it. Yeah, that's Jeff Leroy. He's a famous film director. That oh, uh, I'm, my bad, I'm, I had no idea. No, well, no, actually, he makes funny. giant woman films. <laughs> he's he's famous for a lot of maybe the wrong reasons. I don't know. I made it. I've made two documentaries about Jeff. Oh that, wow! That have gone to film festivals and they're so, entertaining. You should check them out. He's he's definitely an interesting character because. He's he's kind of like me where he doesn't hold back his opinion. The last the last one I just put put up a new one where he tried field roast sausages and he said it tasted like sandpaper. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, like particle board. There was a vegan creator who essentially was making dosa. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with dosa. Yeah. But it's it's like a a a crepe like uh, dish, but it's like it. usually made with lentils and rice or a variation. Um, and so she was essentially posting like a, a, a dosa. It was like a chila. So chila is more like when you use one kind of lentil and you make something out of it. So like mungal chila, it's also called uh, pesaratu or that type of thing. So there's so many different names, so many variations of dosa, but like it's a dosa. And I remember I was just, I commented on her video and I was like, hey, like, you know, it'd be really nice if you can acknowledge where you source this recipe from, because she was, she was calling them lentil wraps. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And, and her comments were filled with a lot of South Asian people like, hey, this is a dish that I grew up with. Can you please call it by its name? And so one of my first videos that went kind of big was a video where I was like, Please call my dosa dosa. Don't call it anything else. Um, at least, sorry, give, at least give it a hashtag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's like, yeah. I don't know why they feel the need to like take ownership of these dishes. That's the part that I don't understand. It's like I would never even attempt to like take ownership of like a pasta dish, for example, or like. Imagine if I said that I created hamburgers like that would that would trigger a lot of people. 
So when I get triggered because someone is trying to take ownership of dosa, they don't understand it because they don't know the dish. Don't give me any TikTok ideas. (laughs) (laughs) What's worse? I created the hamburger. Yeah. yeah. What's worse? Rebranding a cultural dish or doing that thing that Trader Joe's does where they they make it Trader and then they they rename Joe whatever like applies to that culture. (laughs) Like Trader Giotto, <laughs> Trader Jose. What's your position yeah. on speaking of that? What's your position of like samosa burritos? Fusion. I'm all about fusion dishes. Like okay. I, I made a curry leaf burger, and um, it's one of my favorite dishes. I think we eat it every other week because it's part of our meal prep. As long uh, as you're acknowledging the underlying parts. Yeah, like all of the ingredients are Indian. I've always acknowledged the fact. In fact, I did a video on the curry leaf burger and I was like, this dish is literally a fusion of my Indian and American culture kind of coming together. Tell us how uh, we can see all your amazing content. Sure. So you can find me on TikTok or Instagram at the handle a lot of spice. Um, I started posting to Pinterest just to target a different audience, but my handle, wherever you try to find me, it's going to be a lot of spice. And how do you spell that? A-L-O-T-T-A-S-P-I-C-E. It's been such a pleasure. Thank Thank you so much for sharing with us. I'm so happy that I'm here and I got to talk to you both. It was such a fun time. Thank you. Yeah. 